Hello and welcome to the GMHBA Healthier Together podcast series. This series has been developed to assist you to master your health and well-being. Health is too hard when you try to go it alone and we know that together we are healthier. Today on the show we'll be discussing transcranial magnetic stimulation, otherwise known as TMS, with Professor Paul Fitzgerald. Professor Fitzgerald is a professor of psychiatry at the Epworth Clinic and Monash University in Melbourne. He is a qualified psychiatrist, an international speaker, and a founder and medical director of TMS Clinics Australia. Professor Fitzgerald runs an extensive research program with a team of over 30. His team uses stimulation devices such as TMS and neuroimaging techniques to improve and develop new treatments for severe depression, but also schizophrenia, OCD, and PTSD. He has been researching TMS for 20 years, published over 400 journal articles and book chapters, set up Australia's largest TMS clinical and educational programs, and has trained over 500 people in brain stimulation. Professor Paul Fitzgerald, welcome to the GMHBA Healthier Together podcast. Good morning. Now, firstly, can you tell us what depression is and describe the usual treatments which are sought for depression? So depression means a lot of different things to to different people. But in the context of what we're going to be talking about, Simon, depression is a a medical condition that results in a series of symptoms that can be really quite debilitating. They include a persistent or pervasive sense of sadness or unhappiness, um, an inability to experience pleasure in everyday life. And a number of other symptoms, including a problem with people's energy. They just haven't got the energy and motivation to do things. They have trouble sleeping. They have trouble with their appetite. They have trouble concentrating. And patients with depression will often have really persistent negative um, negative thoughts, feel hopeless about the future. And in that context, they can also experience thoughts that life's not worth living or even um, that they might want to end their life. So it's really a condition with a wide-ranging series of symptoms that um, can be really extremely debilitating for patients. Currently, the standard treatments for depression, the ones that have been around for for many decades, are various forms of medication and various forms of counselling or psychotherapy. There's probably at least 14 or 15 different antidepressant medications um, available for patients with depression. These are all relatively modestly effective um, if you if you uh, experience an episode of depression and take an antidepressant medication, about four out of ten patients will get better with that medication, although some will suffer not insignificant side effects. Um, if patients then try a second, a third, a fourth, or a fifth medication, eventually about two-thirds of patients will respond to, to medication, unfortunately leaving a group that, that just don't get better with medication. There are, as I said before, various forms of counselling or psychotherapy that also can be used. Um, These include things like cognitive behavioural therapy. Most forms of therapy for depression are effective, but they tend to be more effective in the more mildly or moderately severe forms of depression. As depression becomes more severe, patients' motivation and capacity to engage in therapy just becomes really limited. So there are the kind of the most common standard therapies. There are um, some other things that are used historically, electroconvulsive therapy or ECT, what people might regard as shock therapy, has been used for the most severe forms of depression. And fortunately, now we have some new forms of therapy, the sort of leading one of which is transcranial magnetic stimulation, which is really starting to give patients 
another alternative um, treatment option. So what exactly is transcranial magnetic stimulation? So transcranial magnetic stimulation or TMS is a new treatment for depression that's been developed using a a very different form of technology. TMS effective essentially involves using a coil that's placed on the head to generate a strong magnetic field. And magnetic fields pass through us without any resistance. We don't feel them. You don't feel anything if you lie in an MRI scanner, which also generates a magnetic field. But if you apply a magnetic field in a very focused way and it's switched on and off very quickly, it can induce an electrical current. So that's a sort of basic principle of physics that's that Michael Faraday described back in the 1830s. And so this machine's used to generate a magnetic field. The magnetic goes into, field goes into our brain. The magnetic field stimulates the nerves in the brain. And it actually makes those nerve cells fire. So in a really sim- sim- simple way, if you apply that, if you put the machine over the area of the brain that controls the muscles, say, in your left hand, it will cause those nerve cells to fire. And that will send a signal down to cause a, a muscle twitch. It kind of feels fairly odd because you have this, have this thing on your head and your hands hands twitching. Now, we're not doing that form of TMS in when we're treating depression. What we're doing is we're applying those pulses many, many times over the course of a day and then over a course of treatment because we know the brain works on a use it or lose it principle. The more nerve cells are activated, the more they tend to, that, that activity tends to become embedded or encoded for the future. So we target an area of the brain that is underactive in people who are depressed and, and circuits that are, have become sort of disconnected. And we're f- making the nerve cells fire to, to start to get that area of the brain working again and also to reconnect those, the areas of the brain that are, that are not working appropriately. If that all sounds fairly esoteric or fairly scientific, from a practical perspective for a patient, it's actually relatively simple. The patient sits in a reclining chair. There's no anaesthetic. They're awake. They sometimes will listen to music or even watch television. Um, the machine sits on their head and they feel a, a, an odd sort of tapping or pulsing sensation. Some patients describe it a bit like having a little woodpecker sitting away, tapping, tapping on their head. And they'll have one of these treatments, um, usually five days a week over the course of four to six weeks. And usually after about 10 treatments, if it's going to work, people will just start to, to notice their depression starting to lift. Um, often patients will say that the, the, you know, the, the back cloud over their head is starting to lift, or they're more able to concentrate and focus on things. And then hopefully that the improvement continues across the rest of the course of treatment. And what types of conditions benefit best from TMS? So the main application for TMS is in the treatment of depression, as we've been describing. Um, People first started investigating the use of TMS for depression uh, several decades ago, and it's now a very well-established treatment that's used all around the world and recommended by all of the appropriate regulatory authorities and so forth. Um, and generally speaking, most patients with depression accessing TMS are those who've tried uh, you know, a couple of antidepressant medications, maybe some CBT. That's the sort of typical patient who comes along to have a course of treatment. But we do see some patients who've been depressed for many decades have tried dozens of treatments and, and who, who then access treatment. There's also emerging evidence that TMS might be useful in some other conditions, although the evidence isn't quite, this, quite as robust as it is in depression so far. 
And so occasionally TMS has been used in the treatment of severe obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, and it, and it, there's a particular subset of patients who have persistent voices. They hear a sound in their head as if it is somebody speaking to them. Um, this is usually seen in, in the context of schizophrenia, but can be seen in some other conditions. And there's reasonable evidence that TMS can also be used to sort of dampen down or even take away these voices in, in, in some patients. But clearly depression is the main application in 2020 that, that we use TMS for. So how has TMS developed over time? How much research has been done into the effectiveness of it? Look, there's been a really large amount of research. It's probably the most research treatment in psychiatry outside of you know, there's certain classes of medication which have been highly promoted and developed by the large sort of pharmaceutical industry. So, for example, just in terms of clinical trials establishing its effectiveness in depression, there are at least 50 randomised controlled trials that have been conducted. These started in the, in the uh, mid to late 1990s. Initially, the trials were quite small and they were quite um, low dose. There were there were safety concerns back then. TMS was, you know, was quite a new technique and people didn't know whether it was going to cause significant problems or side effects. So people started off very conservatively. And then progressively over the course of really two decades or so, the dose has been gradually expanded and the way in which it's applied has become more scientifically attuned. We've worked out how to um, target the treatment better in the brain. And so all of those um, those changes that have occurred over the last couple of decades have resulted in a treatment that's much more scientifically based um, and and quite um, you know resoundingly been shown to be in a, an effective um, treatment for patients with depression um, across those clinical trials. So can anyone participate in TMS and do, do they have to be referred? So so typically it would it, TMS is I suppose regarded as a specialist treatment. It's conducted. Um, it, it's provided to patients who've usually, as I said before, tried one or two other treatments um, before they come along to TMS. Um, it's conducted, it, it's prescribed by um, psychi- a, 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 an appropriately trained psychiatrist after an appropriate assessment. So usually patients um, are referred to a, a service that provides TMS treatment, an assessment is conducted, and if that patient's deemed uh, thought to be appropriate and the patient um, continues to want to go ahead with the treatment, they'll then undertake a course of, uh, a course of treatment. Where do these treatments occur? So that, that's really an emerging and changing dynamic. Um, internationally, TMS is done almost exclusively as an outpatient procedure. You can walk into a TMS clinic, have your treatment for half an hour or so, and then go home. Patients can drive afterwards. They can go back to work or their family or whatever they need to do in their life. But historically, in Australia, though, the application of TMS has developed in a very different way because um, uh, fairly early on, TMS wasn't funded through the uh, through Medicare on an outpatient basis, it's always been quite expensive for patients to access. So um, the, a number of the private hospitals, private psychiatric hospitals around the country have stepped into the breach and have provided TMS treatment for patients on an inpatient basis. So the majority of patients in 2020 accessing TMS in Australia are actually going into hospital and being, being admitted, admitted to hospital for the treatment of their depression and whilst they're in hospital for the management of their depression, they're receiving a, a course of TMS. 
However, clearly it doesn't need to be done on an inpatient basis. And if patients have other means to fund or, or access treatment on an outpatient basis, that's probably preferable because having treatment on an outpatient basis is going to be less disruptive to their lifestyle, to their engagement with family and so forth. So there are outpatient clinics now, um, including the clinic program TMS Australia that I'm involved in, that provide outpatient-based treatment to patients who are either um, able to pay for the treatment themselves or, or have some form of insurance that will, will, will pay for that treatment. And the big, the big game-changing um, thing in this field will be the provision of Medicare funding to provide um, free outpatient treatment for everybody, clearly as an effective treatment that's safe and well-tolerated. Um, this should be something funded by Medicare. We've um, undertaken a, a lot of work over many years to try to convince Medicare that they should um, fund out, um, outpatient TMS treatment. Um, and last year, the Medicare Services Advisory Committee, which makes recommendations to government around funding, made a decision that they were in support of public funding of TMS. Now, we're waiting for that um, that recommendation to flow through to government and we're hoping within the next 12 months that TMS will be funded on an outpatient basis so a much broader range of Australians can access this safe and effective treatment. So for someone who's coming in for TMS, is, is there any preparation required? Because the way you've described it, it sounds quite benign if I can use that term. They're, they're sitting down, they can watch TV, Presumably, there's no anaesthetic. Um, is there any pre-treatment procedure that they have to go through or to get themselves ready? Look, there's, 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 there's not a great deal. The treatment is a medical procedure and there are some side effects and risks associated with it. The, the one thing that we worry about um, when we apply TMS is we're, we're, we're usually making the brain more active. And if we overdo that, if we actually make the brain too active, there is a, a theoretical possibility of it triggering a seizure like somebody with epilepsy would have. Now, that's fortunately extremely uncommon. In, in 20 years of TMS research, I've actually not had a single patient of mine have a seizure, although they have happened in other places um, in Australia and around the world. So um, clinical services providing TMS treatment need to very carefully um, assess patients um, prior to them undertaking a course of treatment and usually on a daily basis um, prior to them having their individual treatment to make sure there's no there's nothing that's happened in their um, in their health in the medication they take they've taken or anything like that that would place them at a higher risk of that occurring um, clearly if that's all done appropriately and carefully the risk of of somebody experiencing a seizure is extremely low but it needs to be done in a in an appropriate medical setting um, with experienced staff um, who undergo all those appropriate checks and, and balances to make sure that treatment is provided appropriately. And after somebody's gone through their full course of TMS, what are the next steps? Um, do they come back regularly or is, is this a once-off or should, depending on their depression, is TMS a, an option for them to keep coming back, you know, for the rest of their life? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a very important question and it's very important because um, depression is not a it is a, re a recurring problem. Even if you get 100% well, be it with medication or with TMS or any treatment, there is always a, 
uh, a reasonable likelihood that, that depression will come back in the future. So normally when somebody undertakes a course of TMS for the first time, we don't um, automatically do follow-on treatment because it's possible that for that patient, they might remain well for a very long period of time. However, there are certain patients who will want to continue with some form of TMS to really um, minimise the likelihood of their depression coming back. And there are other patients who, after trying a course of treatment, doing really well, perhaps having their depression recur after a year or two years or however long it might be, choose then to engage in some form of, of ongoing maintenance treatment. We certainly encourage patients to do other things that will improve their likelihood of staying well. That might involve continuing on medication. It might involve some forms of psychological treatment. There's a, um, a particular type of treatment called mindfulness-based cognitive therapy that can help prevent the return of depression. When we need to use TMS to help stop depression recurring, it certainly seems to be helpful in that way. We don't have nearly as much evidence for that type of maintenance treatment as we do for the um, acute onset of you know, treating an acute episode of depression, but there are many, many patients that I've treated over the years who've remained extremely well with um, over years with, with courses, of, with continued courses of TMS. Um, the provision of outpatient or, or so provision of maintenance TMS is certainly something that's more practical in the outpatient setting as well. Typically, what we would do when somebody finishes a course of treatment and they want to continue with some form of maintenance is we've been giving them treatment five days a week. We would usually just gradually reduce that. We might do it two or three times a week for a couple of weeks and then once a week for a little while and then reduce that to once every two weeks and just gradually reduce it till we hopefully find a balance of, of a degree of, of frequency that can fit into their life and isn't too intrusive, but which main, maintains the maximum degree of, of wellness that they can achieve. So for people who want to learn more about TMS, can you suggest some good resources where they can find more information? Look, there's, there's lots of information now about TMS on, on the internet. Um, certainly our, at, at TMS Australia, we have some detailed information about um, TMS, um, how it works and the sort of patients who, for whom it might be suitable on, on our website. That's TMS Australia or um, oneword.com.au. Um, there's also some good information on the Epworth website, the Epworth Hospital in Melbourne where I work. Um, if you Google Epworth and, and TMS, you'll, you'll find that. Um, but because TMS has become now a very common treatment around the world, there is a, a variety of good good resources of, available. Professor Paul Fitzgerald, thank you for joining us today on the GMHBA Healthier Together podcast. You're quite welcome. It's a new dawn in health insurance because GMHBA are partnering with AIA Vitality to encourage us to be healthier by rewarding healthy choices. Join GMHBA V Plus with AIA Vitality to earn real rewards for health checks, exercising, even eating well. Changing how you think about health insurance for life. GMHBA and AIA Vitality. Healthier together.